Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Phoenix, Arizona, it's time for Phoenix Business Radio, spotlighting the city's best businesses and the people who lead them. Welcome, everyone, to Project Management Office Hours, the number one live project management radio show in the United States, broadcasting to you today from our Phoenix Business Radio X studios in Tempe, Arizona. I'm your host, Joe Puzz, PMO Joe, and for the next hour, we'll be talking project management with our special guests. Today is the Laura Show. (laughs) I also want to say thank you to our sponsors, the PMO Squad. If you're tired of failed projects, deploy the squad to rescue your PMO and projects. Start recovering lost time, money, and peace of mind. Visit www.thepmosquad.com to learn more about all of their project management services. And before we get into the show today with our guests, I just wanted to bring up a few shows back. We had Kenneth Steinus on air with us, and he surprised me by donating $5,000 to our Veterans Project Management Mentoring Program. We here at the studio put that out into a press release, and that was picked up locally by the East Valley Tribune. And they interviewed one of the veterans that we have in our mentoring program last week, as well as myself. And I think that's going to be published out into the newspaper maybe in a week or so. So look for that article. Again, it's a great way to support our veterans If you're a project manager and want to give back and provide mentoring, we are across the United States. Over 29 states have been represented so far, three countries, and we've had over 100 participants in the program since starting in January. So thank you again to Kenneth uh, Sensei Project Solutions for their donation. Also to our partners, of course, Vets to PM and Veterans to Work. Without both of them, none of this would be possible as well. For those of you listening in today, we are a live show, and if you have questions for either of our guests or myself today, tweet in your question using hashtag PMOJoe, and we will get to you live on air. And now we want to thank Laura Bernard and Laura Vella for joining us. Laura was going to be a guest with us in our last show, but we had Laura Bernard, but we had some technical challenges and weren't able to connect, so we're able to have her on today. So thank you and welcome, Laura's, for joining us. Hi, thank you. Uh, And Laura Bernard, we're going to call Laura to try to make this a little bit easier. And Laura Vela, we're going to call LV. So that way our listeners will know who we're talking to. (laughs) So Laura Bernard, if, if you could just take a moment to share with our listeners a little bit about yourself and your organization and uh, anything you want them to know about you. Sure. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm glad we were able to make this work. And thank you for all of you listening, taking the time out of your, I'm sure, very busy days to listen to this. I hope you find what we talk about valuable and take away a few uh, nuggets of uh, ideas that you can go apply and go make an impact right away. So speaking of impact, I have an online brand called Impact by Laura, and I run a consulting and training company called PMO Strategies. And I've been doing that for over five years now. Prior to that, I was working inside organizations as a PMO leader and, you know, in the shoes, in the hot seat of a PMO leader. So for those of you that don't know what that is, the PMO is generally the part of the organization that is responsible for helping to uh, maximize the value of the strategic investments the organization makes. Now, many of you as PMO leaders don't think of it that way. And so that's part of what we'll talk about today. But 
the goal is not just about managing projects. It's about making sure that all the projects, all the strategic investments the organization wants to make to improve, to change, to get better are managed in a way that get that highest value, that highest return on investment possible. So after spending 15 years inside organizations, helping the organizations to realize that impact. And I would run smaller PMOs and bigger ones, rescue organizations. And I learned a lot that I then realized I needed to go apply to a broader audience. I needed to reach more people. I had found some things that worked and I saw a lot of my peers in this space struggling. And I wanted to share that secret sauce and that magic with others. So I started doing consulting and out of that blossomed a lot of training and coaching programs and this uh, impact summit that I think we'll talk about today as a ways to help the community, help my peer PMO leaders out there to have the resources they need to be able to thrive and get out of this survival mode that so many people talk about in the PMO space. No more headaches, no more frustration. Let's figure out how to get it done and still have time for personal life. Well, I, we've got a common background uh, as I started out in the corporate world running PMOs as well before branching out and starting the PMO squad. And uh, again, as you mentioned, the PMO Impact Summit, we'll talk about that soon. Uh, to be included in that with 40 other leaders in our industry has been fantastic. So thanks for joining us, Laura. LV, how about a little bit about yourself? Why don't you introduce yourself to our listeners? Thank you, Joe. And first of all, congratulations on the great things that you're doing for the veteran community. Thank you. I'm really pleased to be part of this today, and I appreciate you inviting me and to be the other Laura on The Laura Show. <laughs> <laughs> I own my own company called Vela Consulting, LLC, and I have a long career. I've been working over 20 years, always focused in management consulting and really in the healthcare industry and more specifically, the provider space. Healthcare is quite broad, as you know. I assist clients with planning, selection, and most importantly, large-scale implementations. We're seeing a lot of merger and acquisition activity in the provider space now, which means combining people, process, and technology. And we come in there and we help with all of that. It's really difficult when you have generalists on board, when you really need to engage specialists to help. And consider the whole, the whole big picture of what it takes to really combine organizations. So we've been um, in business almost five years. Uh, we also have a website. You can reach us via LinkedIn and uh, via links through this show as well. That's great. And connection with you, of course, as I ran one of the PMOs I ran back before I started my company was Wellstar Health System, which mm -hmm. is the largest healthcare system provider in the state of Georgia. Yes. So it's great to have some things in common with both Laura's today. So I think we're going to have a great show. In the last couple of shows, we've really focused on Agile and Scrum, Kanban. Uh, so today we're getting back a little bit more to our roots of PMOs and healthcare project management, ERP implementations, et cetera. So let's talk some project management. Laura, how about we mentioned it? So let's get into it, right? The PMO Impact Summit. Tell us a little bit more about that and where the idea came from for such a great conference that you've organized to put together. Sure. Thank you for asking. And this has been such an amazing and humbling experience, uh, honestly. I've 
got, you know, a good bit or more than 20 years of experience in the PMO space, which which is a lot. But I still feel like there's a lot that I could learn. And I have certain aspects that I focus on, such as the throughput and the, you know, and the return on investment and helping transition that mindset to to impact, right, to the purpose of the PMO, which is generating an impact for the organization. There aren't a lot of events out there and a lot of ways for people to get the information. And after spending so many years inside organizations as a PMO leader and and being in a position where I had to learn a lot of this stuff on my own, I had to learn a lot of this stuff the hard way. And honestly, I found that there were a lot of the resources that I would read or the classes I would take or the information I could find was either a single case study of how someone did it inside of an organization, but they'd only done it that one way that one time. Or it was a lot of resources that were telling me to focus on the tools and the templates and the process and all this stuff that my business leaders were saying, we don't care about, right? They were saying, I don't care how you get there, but just get there. Get us the outcomes we're looking for. Success isn't defined by how many templates you have or how much process you put in place. Success is defined by how you get to the outcomes. So as I started looking, you know, for when I went out on my own and I started saying, okay, well, the things that I found that really worked, getting to those results, getting to those outcomes, when I started looking around at what other people were teaching, it wasn't that. And then I would have all these PMO leaders tell me that they were so frustrated and stressed and why is I'm trying to follow the book and I'm trying to follow the guidance and it's just not working. So I started sharing things that were working with me. And light bulbs were going off for other people. Oh, okay. So I've been focusing so much on process and tools and, you know, defining my success by whether or not we had a perfect project plan, regardless of whether or not we actually, the product service or deliverable outcome that we created was actually being used or leveraged or created that revenue or whatever the outcome was it was trying to create. So I started saying, okay, well, I'm going to share the things that I know that have worked for me. And the more I did that, I found others out there that had that similar mindset and that were we're getting those similar results. And I feel like it's become my mission to share with all of those people that are wearing the shoes that I wore for 15 years, all the things that we've learned, how we've learned them, the secrets, right? I, I started looking in the industry and finding all these PMO leaders and experts that had the proof, that had the best kept secrets, that had that secret sauce. And I wanted to expose that, honestly. Why is it that only these top level consultants or these experts that have been doing it for years, why are they the only ones that know this stuff? I want to make sure that every PMO leader out there has the resources that they need to be successful. And so I looked at what events existed, and there's not many, and there certainly isn't anything like this online anywhere. And so I said, I want no PMO leader left behind. So I'm going to put together an event with all of these brilliant experts, all of these people that have proven that you can thrive with your PMO and you don't have to be st stuck in constant survival mode or frustrated or, you know, having to give up your personal life so that you can, you know, struggle every day in the office. And not everybody has that experience, but even those that are doing well could be doing better. And if you ask their business leaders, if you look at the PMI pulse of the profession surveys, it all says we can be doing better. So 
I wanted to share all of that with the industry. I wanted to help those people that are wearing those shoes now and that are struggling or know that they could do better or looking for those resources but can't afford it, can't find it, don't know where to look. So I asked the most brilliant people I know, the people that have those secrets, those ideas, and I was amazed at the results. I was amazed at how many of them said yes. And it's because all of us share this common passion to help the industry and help, you know, PMO leaders, we truly want to help and make a difference. So instead of having a one-day conference where we just shoved a whole bunch of content at you, I put together a two-week conference and it's free. That's the best part about this is that you can get all of this content for free. You don't have to do anything but register so you know how to get to the information. And every two days, we give a whole new set of seven to eight presentations that you can watch and learn real, concrete, actionable techniques that will help you deliver on your PMO and do it in a way that's that's going to make you and your business leaders thrilled. So it was, as you can tell, I'm pretty passionate about it. It's It was a passion project for me to really share with the community, not just my ideas and my insights. I do provide a 44-page ebook I put together on this mindset shift we need to make. But I was truly humbled and honored by all of the leaders that I look to that, that they all said yes. And they said, absolutely, I want to be a part of giving back, of sharing, and making a difference, and helping to honestly transform the way we view the PMO, not just as PMO leaders, but the way the business leaders view the PMO and the value that it truly can create. Yeah, it's fantastic to get such an assembly of leaders in one spot to get education, really, because if you think about our profession, the project management world, that you can get CAPM, you can get PMP, you can go get several certifications, but there really isn't anything to help you get PMO certified, to help you learn as a PMO leader how to run that function. So, you know, for instance, I again, thank you for including me in that group of leaders and and my sure. talk on improving project management by repairing your plumbing, right? Is, yes, I is, love it. Is getting to the point of how to to go in and fix things, not on the surface, but the root cause. And, right. and to your point, that to me is education. So I'm I'm glad to be a part of it. I'm glad to see how successful it's been. I know you're approaching your target. It's still ongoing today. You mentioned it's for two weeks, so there's still time remaining for folks to go out there and register. How can they, what's the website where they can go to register for that? So it's very simply PMOImpactSummit.com. And if you Google it, it seems to be coming right up at the top because we're getting tons of Tons of energy and excitement and engagement on this. Um, if you go to my profile on LinkedIn, which is just Laura, L-A-U-R-A, Barnard, B-A-R-N-A-R-D, you will find it all over my LinkedIn profile. Please feel free to connect with me. By the way, I share tons and tons of free content every week. I'm sharing new content, new resources. I do webinars, all kinds of stuff to, to share with this community. And uh, I share a lot of that stuff on my blog, which is aptly titled, I Wish I Had Me When I Was You, uh, which is all about now that I know what I know and now that I have the resources I do, I want to make sure that all of you that are doing this kind of work, project management, program management, portfolio management, and PMO leadership, that you have the resources you need to be successful. So definitely go check it out. We have until Sunday the 23rd, it will be live. 
and then it shuts off on Sunday the 23rd because we have two new day or two days of new speakers every other day. So today we had a new launch of another seven or eight speakers. Then on Friday, we'll have another launch of another set of speakers. And then if you do want access to it afterwards, or you want to catch up on the stuff you miss, there is a small fee to do that because we want to cover our costs for hosting it for lifetime access for ongoing. But you can still get to the other stuff if you want to, and you just have to go to the site to find out how. Um, and I'd love to hear what people think if they do check it out. Well, I know having run several PMOs myself, one of the largest efforts we would always do would be when we would have an ERP implementation, right? So we trying to transition over from the running of a function of the PMO to executing on one of the deliverables of a project that comes within that LV, that's your area of specialty. What are some of the common challenges that you've encountered uh, organizations face when they're trying to plan an ERP project? There's a lot of different types of challenges. As I mentioned previously, there's a lot of merger and acquisition activity going on in the healthcare provider space as our nation tries to work through how do we make healthcare more affordable and people are living longer than ever. This is really just an ongoing challenge and issue. And so you see a lot of these healthcare providers really trying to understand how do we maximize the use of technology? How do we make it work for us and really drive value from that? And the largest cost in healthcare, of course, is labor, followed by supplies. So an electronic health record system is usually top of mind for the technology experts in healthcare. But behind that is enterprise resource planning, ERP, which are you're behind the scenes or back office applications, human resources, payroll, supply chain management, general financials, equally as important. And I'm not going to say that they're a second thought because they're not. They're huge investments. The projects are often very complex and multi-year. And we're seeing a big trend right now to try and minimize knowing that an ERP is a smart investment, whether it's an upgrade or moving to a new solution. We're seeing a lot of movement from having those solutions on-premise where you're responsible for running and managing the hardware yourself to more of a cloud solution. So one of the biggest challenges I've seen is when customers are going from that change of hosting their own solutions right on site versus moving it to the cloud, there seems to be um, some confusion. And it's really discomfort, I would say, as people start to wonder, well, I'm currently supporting this and now a vendor is going to be doing it. Where does that leave me? So I think thoughtful planning behind the support in a cloud solution is one of the challenges. Another really big challenge is Truly, truly drilling down on scope. Every vendor is different in terms of what they label their applications. So really taking a look at what is the functionality that you're trying to replace. You know, in the last four years since I've been working with different healthcare customers, I would say 75% of them have run into a scope challenge around application functionality. And you don't find out about it when you sign the contract because the words look right. It says right here, asset management. But when you go to test, and you realize, well, I'm not able to do this functionality. And it's written down on the statement of work or in the hosted solution uh, portfolio, but the functionality is not there. So I think really doing that due diligence and not just trying to go line for line, this is what we're trying to replace or upgrade, but talking through, you know, with a consultant like myself (laughs) or someone similar, what is the functionality that you're trying to replace? So 
resource challenges, scope challenges. And then I think also kind of along the resource pieces, not being thoughtful enough about how to backfill your project team. I think that is definite planning that doesn't get put into the budget. And it's unfortunate because oftentimes people are responsible for doing their normal job, but also responsible for working on a project. Mm -hmm. And projects, it's not full-time, every day, all day for most of the client team. But when you get into areas of testing and you run into problems, it can be very demanding and consuming. And when you also have operational responsibilities, it just becomes overwhelming. So I think oftentimes clients miss that part, backfilling and being really thoughtful about what's going to be needed from them. And I go back to my days with Bellstar again and think about some of the challenges or struggles that I had when I first started running their PMO coming from an aerospace and defense and manufacturing mindset, those organizations are focused on delivery more so than in a healthcare setting because of patient care, right? They're not trying to make sure that you deliver as efficiently as you can because it's, did you get the right outcome of a well-cared-for patient? So part of our challenges in planning were, how do we get an organization that's focused on taking care of a patient to think with a project or delivery mindset and be able to link those two. Is, have you seen similar challenges through your experiences? Yes, absolutely. That definitely resonates with me. I think that with clinicians, their livelihood is taking care of people. And to try and influence and shift that mindset about how do we better manage the outcomes, but also manage cost and utilize technology to get the best outcomes possible. I think that the, what I call the organizational change management piece, the communications training, and most importantly, the stakeholder engagement is really, really key. You can implement the most beautiful technology. You can have 100% perfect pass for all your testing. But if you don't have that user acceptance and really have invested folks to accept and utilize that technology, you're not going to have success. And sometimes in the clinical arena, that is a little bit harder to do. But it's just, you know, what I've found um, is successful is to make sure you have an influential stakeholder, really several of them, and they don't have to be executives. You can find peers that you call your super user and help them give good press to the new technology so you can ensure that it's adhered to and used properly. And the ultimate results, the ultimate um, good outcomes for your patients is realized. You kind of have to pony up a story like that, blend it all together. And ultimately, right, you're working to make an impact, right? That's why you're doing any project is to, to be impactful and give the outcome you're looking for. And, Absolutely. And Laura, I know you've you know, I've branded myself PMO Joe, and we go with that, and that works great because that's my function. You've done something similar with Impact by Laura. Yeah. Can you, you know, explain that? What does that mean, and where did that come from? So, you know, the company name is PMO Strategies, and I think that, you know, for for those in the PMO space, that kind of, that clicks, right? That kind of makes sense, right? We do PMO training, consulting, coaching programs. But The impact by Laura is really like a lot of what I'm trying to help people really resonate with is that word impact. As a PMO leader myself and uh, as I speak all over the country and I teach people and I'm consulting all over the place, that word is missing from our language. And that's the root of the shift that I think needs to happen with PMO leaders and project managers. And 
the reason for that is that we're spending, we've been taught, a lot of us, many of us, as PMO leaders now, many of us grew up, quote unquote, professionally as project managers. And when you're a project manager, traditionally, you have been told that you should have, your success is defined by the triple constraint, time, scope, and cost. Did you do, did you deliver the project on time, on scope, on on budget? And if you didn't, then you failed. If you did, then you've succeeded. And unfortunately, that's not how our business leaders are defining success. And so there's this gap between the way we traditionally as project managers have been thinking our success is defined and the way our business leaders and the executives are defining our success. What they define as success is when we've actually achieved the outcome that was intended. So in many cases, they wouldn't care about spending $10,000 more if you were going to give them $100,000 more of a return on their investment. They'd be willing to make that investment. They would. They don't care if you're on time and under budget and delivered a checklist of scope items if nobody ends up using the product or the service or the deliverable that was intended. If you, you know, spend $100,000 on a project and the only profit or revenue or return, and return doesn't have to be money, uh, that's an easy example, but any kind of return, if that return isn't there or that return equals $100,000, then you've just wasted all of that time. And it's not just the time you've wasted on that project, but it's the opportunity cost of other projects that could have generated a greater return that are what the business leaders are thinking about. So, what I'm trying to do here is help us shift that way we think from project managers all the way through to PMO leaders and acknowledge, hey, it's not your fault. This is how we were all raised to think that our success is defined by that triple constraint or even earn value management. And it's not how we're being measured outside of our world. And so if we want to truly focus in on what's going to make us successful and, you know, guarantee we're not going to end up on the chopping block, guarantee that we're going to be able to get the resources we need and the budget we need and all of those things, we have to shift our focus to being much more impact driven than triple constraint driven. So the goal here is to help with that mindset shift. So a lot of what I talk about, write about, teach and coach with people is how do we make that shift? How do we go from our traditional way of thinking about project management to the way that we need to be thinking about it in order to actually get the results or, as I call it, impact the organization is looking for? And one of the big things that I hear often is, yeah, but we don't measure return on investment because we're an internal project or we're we're an internal organization or even worse, we're the government. So we don't measure ROI. And yeah, you do, because ROI is just a fancy way of saying worth it. Right. If you we make ROI return on investment decisions every morning when we wake up. And everything that we do is a worth it conversation. Is it worth it to go to work in the morning? Is it worth it to do this project? Is it worth it to invest in this way? And that worth it conversation is a conversation that needs to stop happening only in the C-suite or only in the business unit business leaders role. And it needs to be happening with all the project managers and PMO leaders and everyone in between, everyone that's involved on these projects. They all need to be having that worth it conversation and figuring out how to get to the greatest possible impact 
that they can for every project they do. And that means looking at how you do, you know, what tools and resources you provide. You know, that look that means how many more how many more templates and checklists are we going to put in our business leaders hands before we can get this project done? Because I have never, ever, ever heard a CEO say, no, no, no. Come back to me when you have five more templates for me to fill out. (laughs) Well, it's 10, right? (laughs) It's not a thing they say. What they say is get me the results, right? Get me the outcome. The thing we want to do, let's make that happen. So I'm hoping that we can help you know, to turn into a community of what I call impact drivers and that we can start shifting the way we think. And instead of being project managers, we're investment managers. Instead of being PMO leaders, we are portfolio managers, investment portfolio managers. Every one of us has a role, a fiduciary responsibility to the organization to ensure that all the worth it's are as high impact as possible. So that's that's what that's all about. And, you know, if you want to put something front and center, that's the impact message. And that's what I share with my community online and through my newsletter and through all the resources I provide. And I think a couple of items that you brought up all make sense, right? But a challenge is we're, all of us on the show today are consultants, right? So we we understand that mindset and we're actually driven to provide that impact and that value. Mm-hmm. But sometimes employees at organizations being honest, right? Some of them just want to go into work, get their eight hours in and go home. And as consultants, it's a different perspective for us. And LV, for some of the projects you're leading, how do you motivate, encourage, lead those resources that may have a mindset that doesn't in line with what yours is as an impactful consultant? I think what's most important is to get those folks engaged. And everybody is a stakeholder when you have these large-scale projects. They're huge investments of time and money, obviously. I think it's important to always begin with the end in mind, stealing from our famous Stephen Covey, who was really hot in the day when I earned my MBA back, back way when. (laughs) But I think what's most important is let everybody have a seat at the table. Everyone is equally important. They have to have skin in the game. They should be involved with the project, involved with the planning. They should know those milestones as well as anybody else. They should be part of the testing. Even having a seat in steering committee meetings, perhaps occasionally, to let people know that they're an important part of what the change is and they need to be an agent of the change that the new project or technology is representing. I also think that having the diligence to create a good project charter with some of those outcomes that uh, the other Laura (laughs) was just mentioning is really important. So you know from the beginning what are yeah. the metrics that we're marching towards? What is it that we want to realize from this project? And it it is not always about a bottom line dollar. It really is about improving and making business better. And in the case of healthcare, ultimately, even though ERP specifically isn't a patient-centric system, it does ultimately impact the outcome. Again, because it's the management of the resources, the human resources and the cost behind it. When we would do our portfolio management work at Wellstar, one of the factors that weighed into every one of our portfolio decisions was patient care. Regardless if that was uh, the purpose of the project, we could be doing a migration of email servers to new platform. But we still considered how does that impact patient care? 
As yeah. it should be, right? As yeah. it ultimately should be. When you think about healthcare providers, hospitals, health systems, that is the business they're in, making a very positive patient experience all the way around. And how does that compare and contrast to maybe some other industries that you've had some experience in as well? What makes healthcare different, right? How is that as a project manager or as a consultant going into healthcare providers? I think you have to really understand that difference, right? I would say yes. And <laughs> I think the industry is a little bit, quote, snotty when it comes to engaging with consultants. They really love to see those that have that healthcare background. And I think it really is just the mindset of understanding what is the business that we're in and behind the scenes, what is that technology that enables the business to be better and how do we drive value from that? You don't have electronic health records in other industries. Um, healthcare is, as I said earlier, at the forefront of everyone's mind is we have an aging population, people like myself with older parents, younger children. Everyone is always aware about this industry and it, it is very complex. You know, some of the unique challenges are um, just understanding it, you're not producing widgets, you're providing services and you're impacting people's lives. So having an awareness about that, having an awareness of what the the business of healthcare really is, and it is a com complex ecosystem, if you will, with pharmaceuticals, providers, hospitals, health systems, insurance companies. It's just really understanding that business flow and for your specific client where they fit in and, and what they're trying to accomplish. Pre-show, everybody was chatting around a little bit. So we, so we know, Laura, you also have uh, some experience working in healthcare field as well. You shared your passion that you have for PMOs and helping within our PMO community. And you touched on the 15 years in corporate world, right? What was, mm -hmm. what was that life like pre-Impact by Laura and pre-PMO strategies? How, how did you get to where you are today? Explain that journey for everybody. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, what was it like? Well, let's just say, you know, that's why I say I wish I had me when I was you, because <laughs> it was it was some some days it was fantastic uh, when I felt like I was helping to make a difference. I was helping to serve the organization. And truly what I love to do is help people, which is how I landed where I am today. But it started, it's an interesting journey because I actually started with a computer science degree uh, and a very, very technical background. Um, but after a few years of doing that, I realized that there were these people that got together and kind of facilitated the projects getting done. And I loved that role. So I quickly transitioned into project management and had the organizational skills and the aptitude and the desire to help people on a broader scale. And that's what I saw with project management was a way to help get to those outcomes. I'm a very outcome-driven, outcome-focused person and sometimes drive my family crazy with it saying, okay, but what's the worth it here? Why are we doing this? And what, you know, and that kind of thing. And interestingly, my first PMO was back in 1999, and it was for it was in the the height of the dot com insanity. And I was working in an organization that was doing e-commerce solutions, and we were a part of kind of the bleeding edge technology that was going on inside a broader organization. And they it was just chaos. It was a lot of young people who were doing things for the first time and nobody was really sure how we were. I mean, our, our kind of our top level executive was only like 27, I think. And so we're all trying to figure out how the heck to organize this chaos. And they looked to me and said, I was a senior project manager there at the time. And they said, okay, 
we need you to make all this stuff happen and make sure it happens. And I had no idea it was called a PMO. I had no idea what I was doing. Um, and actually, I ran into a colleague at a PMI meeting uh, for a chapter I used to sit on the board for, and we were chatting about it. And I said, see, I have a witness. I really was building a PMO back in 1999 when we didn't even know that's what it was called. But the idea was, how do we get to the outcomes faster? And in this case, it was happy customers getting their e-commerce solutions as quickly as possible and happy meant they that was their worth it right they were happy if they had their e-commerce solution up and running and they were able to start selling things online and all of that so it was very real and very easy to see that worth it so i built a pmo uh, i did do tools and process and all of that but we started with what is the outcome the business is looking for both internally and our customers so i did that and then kept doing it for bigger and bigger organizations different organizations a lot of financial services uh, and i often joke to people when we talk about what was it like i say you know name a change resistant organization i've been there and done that because a lot of what you learn along the way is you know, that people and, and and I don't truly believe that people are resistant to change or else nobody would ever change jobs, move or have children. <laughs> so I do believe on purpose, that is. Uh, so I do believe that people love change if it's not being done to them. Right. People love to be a part of change and a part of growth and development. If it's something that they they see really clearly they're with them, the outcome that they're trying to create, and and they want to be a part of that. And it's being done with them as opposed to to them. So I learned a lot of things along the way, like how important organizational change management is to the ability for PMO and projects to be successful. Um, and you know, and and over time, I got different opportunities to and was successful in places where nobody had been in the past. And so I've really tried to package that and and and, you know, figure, you know, take that secret sauce and that way of being able to do it in small organizations, large, large organizations, huge nonprofits like the U.N., tiny little associations that have 12, mem you know, 12 employees and everything in between to be able to show them that you can right size this thing called a PMO and right size the way you manage projects with a really, really deliberate focus on the outcome. So it was rewarding challenging, frustrating. I beat my head up against the wall way too many times, but that's why those learnings and those experiences, the mistakes, the successes are what's driven me to save other people from that headache and save other, other people from having to go through the hard times. If I can save them the time and the energy and the frustration and show them the way on things that we know work, I've done my job, I've served my purpose, and I feel like um, I've made an impact. And that's, you know, a great reason your description there is why we do this show, right? There, before there was you, there was you. And, right. <laughs> and you wish you had you then, right? right well, exactly. that's why we're doing this show. The same why reason why you're doing the Impact Summit, right, is as an aspiring PMO leader or as a project manager or a healthcare provider, where do you turn to? And we're trying to give a voice for the leaders in our industry to come on the radio share your experiences to try to help those who are looking for help. Uh, and of course, we're not going to cover that in just one hour, but then they have access to all of these great guests after the show as well to be able to reach back out or attend a virtual summit or bring them on for consulting engagement. So great description and uh, thank you for doing what you're doing. It's been fantastic. 
Oh, thank you. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to share more. As you can tell, I'm very passionate and excited about the opportunity in front of all of us. It's a great time for PMO leaders. Uh, the, the, the tide is shifting and and those of us that are leading that charge are pushing really hard on this to make sure that you know those that come after us will thrive and will be seen as the business leaders and thought leaders that they are. And we want to help enable and empower them to be so. And you had mentioned some challenges, obviously, along the way. And LV, uh, obviously, ERP implementations come with some challenges as well. One of the challenges I noticed just from the get-go within healthcare is it seemed like it was resistant to technology, right? It was. It wasn't the industry as a whole almost seemed like a decade behind everybody else on all technology in general. What have you encountered with ERP and some of the challenges working within the healthcare space? I think that it's a lot of it does have to do with that user acceptance. And you're right, oftentimes they have very old antiquated technology. And when you come in with this new shiny hosted in the cloud solution, it feels really uncomfortable. So taking the time to really explain things that used to be done on paper, perhaps, or things that used to be done business operations in a certain way are now going to change. And this is a couple of areas that are that also differentiate healthcare from what we spoke about before that are key areas of challenge. And that's, you know, looking at the scheduling of resources like nurses. When do you have peak time? When do you need that kind of coverage? Because again, labor is the most expensive cost in healthcare providers. So understanding that integration of scheduling time and attendance into the ERP system and really making sure people have a good understanding of how that data flows. And then, of course, getting that integration to work correctly. And then the other other key area is supply chain management, second biggest cost in healthcare. How do you make sure that your item master that lives within that ERP system is feeding your charge description master, which resides in your clinical EHR system, and really getting a handle on that? And with your, if you have electronic data interchange, EDI, making sure that you're getting your supplies on time as needed. It's really expensive, for example, to keep prosthetics in your warehouse. So having a really good, clean strategy. And a lot of times they're they're old. They're as old as the technology. So not just coming in with a new technology, but really taking a look at those business processes. What do we have to do to get the maximum value of this new ERP solution? And then how do we bring the people along? And that's that focus on organizational change management, Really making sure people are well-trained, getting them engaged, stakeholders at every level of the organization. And I always like to celebrate small wins. Oh, we just finished design. Let's have an ice cream social. That was a good one. Yeah. <laughs> I had a, a Sign me up for client. that one post, yeah. post-marathon. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, we just got through conference room pilot. Let's bring in some pizza. Doesn't have to be grandiose, but celebrating small wins really, really cheers people up and makes them feel okay for working 60 hours a week. <laughs> yeah, I think what you've brought up and what Laura's brought up also, and I've mentioned this on the show, we're starting to get inst- college institutions now that are putting out degree programs and in project management. But when all of us were back in school, right, you didn't go to become a project manager. You didn't right. go to become an organizational change management consultant or expert. Those degree programs didn't exist. No, they didn't. I always laugh at how my career has unfolded. I earned my MBA from Arizona State University. 
even though I did my undergraduate at University of Arizona Wildcats. Well, that, that, and don't ask me. Self-confliction there. <laughs> don't ask me. Yeah. Go Wildcats. <laughs> but honestly, when I first started out, I was offered, and I, when I finished my MBA, I was offered an opportunity as a consultant. I had no idea what that word meant. All I knew, and I was the youngest person in my MBA program full time, very minimal work experience. All I knew is everybody else in my MBA program wanted to be a consultant. So I wanted to, too. <laughs> and I've just, I've latched onto that and stayed in that swim lane. So we've talked about the technology is a bit antiquated, perhaps, but moving in the right direction within healthcare. What are some of the other, and you, you also did mention mergers and acquisitions are, are trending in that direction. What are some of the other trends in healthcare space today? Well, I think it's specifically in healthcare technology. I can I can speak to that. Um, we're seeing a lot more with telemedicine, which is a great solution for folks who aren't super critical and they could potentially stay in the comfort of their own home and seek treatment or pr- get provided updates. Northern Arizona University has an excellent telehealth program. They have this really inspiring video uh, that they have on their telehealth website about treating Native Americans who live far away and aren't able, um, you know, this this one patient in particular would constantly be coming into the emergency room because he wasn't able to manage his health the way that he should. But through the implementation of some telehealth solutions, able to take some basic vitals um, daily, they were able to keep him out of that emergency emergency room and it provide you know influence a good outcome. So telehealth is just huge and doing really really great things. We have a great program here in Arizona. And I think again also um, what I mentioned earlier the cloud solutions. How do we we know we need technology to do better in healthcare, but how do we better manage that cost but still get the value out of it? And a lot of times these vendors are stepping up and saying we believe we can save you money by managing the hardware for you and hosting you in the cloud. And so you can focus on the critical patient applications. We'll do your other systems in the cloud for you. And that's definitely a big trend that's a big draw right now for healthcare providers and has kept me very busy the last few years. (laughs) I think what we're seeing in the news today, I think it was this morning, right, Walmart announced they're going to join Berkshire Hathaway and Amazon into the, we're going to go provide health coverage. uh, We're going to step into that industry and see what we can do to improve it. I think we're about to see an amazing shift in the healthcare industry because non-healthcare organizations are coming into it that are focused on efficiency and metrics that maybe healthcare don't focus on. It's interesting. And I in the last few years I know that some large companies have tried to become self-insured and they provide some basic right on the campus of their major um, locations. They have clinics where if you don't feel great that day, you can run down and see if there's something wrong. Can you finish the work there or do you need to go home? And it's really for the sake of trying to keep employees healthy. Everyone knows this. The name of the game is stay healthy, stay out of the ER. So it's a focus on wellness. These companies are really trying to embrace that. And as you said, trying to become more um, self-insured. The cost of insurance is so high and it's, it's a result of the ever-increasing cost of health care. And I th- the other thing, again, I've, I've mentioned on the show so many times is I love project management because we're always at the focus of change. We're always implementing what's new, what services out there to gain value, pick up customers, improve efficiency, whatever it may be. They're all done by projects. 
And those projects are then organized and uh, prioritized and run from, depending on how they've structured, the PMO. It takes time to create a PMO, but Laura, you've got a program, I think, that can create and get your PMO up and running in 90 days. Is that correct? Yes, it is. And I've done it successfully many times, and I'm in, in the midst of doing it with a client right now. That's awesome. Tell us a little bit more about that. Sure. So... So one of the things that we have to keep in mind is that nobody has patience anymore. And, you know, so the idea of being able to take (laughs) one or two years to build your PMO and start showing any value is just not realistic anymore. And by the way, the longer you take to build that PMO, the less patience your business leaders are going to have with you. Regardless of what they say, their actions will start to show you that they're running out of patience and they want to see some value. They want to see some impact, right? They want to see some results. The same way we talk about projects having an impact, well, building the PMO is a similar thing. The it's a similar idea. The PMO needs to have value. It needs to have create an impact or why is it there? So what we do in this program is we actually follow a and I wouldn't say big A agile, but more of a agile and iterative approach to generating that value and that impact. There's a six step process and the training program that I have online and the same, it's the exact same program I follow with my clients uh, when I do the consulting engagements is a six step process that gets you through first the work we've got to do to build that impact mindset and create a solid foundation for the organization, make sure everybody is ready to go on this journey. We assess the organization for impact opportunities. And one of the keys there that is often missed is uh, asking people what they need. I mean, I can't tell you how many times BMO leaders have said to me, well, I know better than they do. I know what they need. I know the medicine they need to take. Therefore, I'm going to tell them what they need as opposed to asking them. And why that's so important, one, it's a really important step, like you know, we've been talking about here in the organizational change management journey of bringing them with you through the process. But also, you're going to want to identify the biggest pain points and do those first. So it might be that you know the organization needs tools and templates and process and other things, and I'm certainly not against having those. I'm against having them as an end as opposed to a means. So what are the ends that your organization really needs? They need a project that's blowing up right now. They need someone to come in and rescue that. They need a better resource utilization initiative to better maximize the way resources are being allocated on projects. What what, Some of them, what they need is just a list of all the real projects that are happening in the organization, the pet projects, the other projects, all the things that are really happening. I can't tell you how many times executives have said to me, I can't even tell you what's going on in this organization. And once you provide that list, there's so much information you can gather to help them make educated and informed decisions. So let's not spend too much time doing the doing the wrong things, right? Doing the things we think they need. And instead, let's go do something they really, really need. So, and then you've built credibility. You've built a reputation as a problem solver. You've built a reputation as an impact driver. And then they will give you more leeway, more time, more trust and invest in you with literally invested with resources that you need to be effective and do that next thing. So we assess We define the work that we're going to do based on those highest opportunities for impact. Then we plan a thoughtful approach. One of the things that really gets PMO leaders stuck is on 
what I call boiling the ocean or saying yes to everything. This was one of my big problems is that I want to help people so badly that I would meet with all these business leaders doing the proper assessment. But then I would say, yes, we can do that. And yes, we can do that. And yes, we can do that. And I would get myself in way over my head wanting to solve everyone's problems all at once. So you've got to plan a really thoughtful approach and show how you're going to get to impact in each one of those areas in a in a planful manner. And then it's about delivering impact and measuring that impact and talking about that impact and making sure people know that that value is actually being achieved. If you don't tell people the impact that's being created, they may not see it. And if you, you know, and and that's where you're, ah, I get it. Now I know what the PMO does. Oh my gosh, they're my problem solver. They're the ones that are rescuing me. They're the ones that are making a difference. They're the ones that are making sure all these projects are successful in the way we measure it, which is on impact and outcomes, as opposed to just simply the triple constraint. And then you've got to kind of do it all over again, right? So sustainability and evolution is all about now going back and addressing that next set of pain points and that next set of problems. And if you follow this approach, it's working. It's working for my clients. It's working for my students. And it's getting that outcome in 90 days and getting results in as fast as 90 days or even less. You start delivering before you've even hit the 90-day mark. You start delivering some value after the first couple of months. So that has really changed. It's been a game changer for my clients and my students in, you know, PMO leaders that use this are just thrilled because they've built their credibility so fast and they're getting those results. And my clients are just blown away with how quickly they're able to shift literally the way the organization makes decisions and the outcomes and turn things around so quickly because of this approach that I've I've mastered and kind of packaged so that it can be, you don't have to, hi- you actually don't have to hire me as a consultant to get this value. Now we put it in an online course, which by the way, I guess I should plug it. Sometimes I don't do that. It's impact. It's the Impact Engine 90 Day PMO training program, and you can get to it going to iepmo.com. Um, we're getting ready to launch it uh, again in October. So now's a great time if you're looking for a solution like that. But I'm thrilled to share my best kept secrets and a system that I know works. So that's awesome. Obviously, you've got a busy time ahead of you with the Impact Summit going on, the relaunch of that upcoming uh, IE engine, or I think is how that was termed. (laughs) Um, So lots going on. And LV, Vela Consulting, obviously is providing these ERP implementations to healthcare providers here in Phoenix. But tell us more about the story, right? How... Uh, do you serve your clients? What other services do you offer to them? Tell us a little bit more about what they get when they work with Vela. Oh, absolutely. And we really are nationwide, not just focused here in Arizona, because we are specialists really in healthcare ERP. And we do additional things besides just the actual project implementations, even though I would say that is our core competency. Um, We also do system selection and planning. So things beyond ERP, when you're looking at different systems, perhaps, let's say, in the HR space, um, employee health management, we can take a look at what are the best systems out there and how would they integrate to the current platform you have today. So good, good approach to doing um, 
systems planning and selection. We also do interim leadership. If there is a director, let's say, of applications that has resigned suddenly and you really have a gap in leadership there, we can come in very flexibly for any period of time and maintain that operational leadership position for you as you go about figuring out uh, what you're going to do to fill that role. Uh, Very specifically for myself, I helped a, a large academic medical center in Palo Alto, California, when they were about to go through merger and acquisition and they had a gap in leadership, but they didn't know if that role was going to be part of the um, end of state, if you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. So I stepped in and filled in a director of business application role for them for about a year. And that's just, that's another example. Something not, when you're doing consulting, you really are focused on a project, as you said. When you step in and do an interim leadership role, you're focused on operations. And it is a different mindset, a different hat that you have to wear. But we do all of that. So, surprisingly, right, we're approaching an hour. Wow. Again, these, these shows go by so fast. And I want to give both of you an opportunity, of course, to be able to tell us more of how uh, listeners can reach you, and anything that we haven't had a chance to cover today as well. So, we'll start with LV. How can uh, listeners be in contact with you if they've liked what they've heard and they want to reach out to Bella Consulting and uh, anything else that we didn't get a chance to cover? Great. I appreciate that. I think the best way to reach me is through LinkedIn, my profile, which is just Laura Vela. That's V as in Victor, E-L-A. I have links to my website and my whole bio there. And I just want to mention to the listeners out there, I love networking. Nothing thrills me more than connecting with other people, whether we never do business together or whether we do. And I especially love mentoring younger people. I often reflect on how did this whole career start? And, you know, as I mentioned, I was quite young when I earned my MBA and just did not have a lot of work, real life experience. But I had some really good people who influenced me and gave me opportunities. And I think of one woman in particular, Randa Smith, a shout out there to Randa, who was my first boss um, in my first job after my MBA in consulting world. And she's one of my best friends today. And I just think it's so important to give back. So anyone who's curious about, quote, what is consulting, (laughs) and I've worked for many, I've worked for different large, big four firms, so kind of been classically trained as a consultant and always, always open to give advice um, to anyone out there. That's great. And obviously mentoring is so important to to us as well. So it's great to hear someone who has that in common. Thank you so much for coming on today and sharing your experiences with everyone. It was a blast. Thank you. (laughs) Laura, how about yourself? How can people reach you? And what did we not get a chance to cover today? Well, I think think the easiest thing to do is for people to reach out to me on LinkedIn, connect with me. It's Laura, L-A-U-R-A, Barnard, B-A-R-N-A-R-D. Or you can just go to my website, impactbylaura.com. And from there, you can click to connect with me on Twitter, LinkedIn, et cetera. You can sign up for my newsletter, which is free. And I send out all kinds of goodies and resources to uh, my audience every week. And I would love to hear what people think about this idea of the impact and uh, what kind of struggles or challenges you might be having in your PMO or in the projects you're managing. Tell me your stories. Let's talk about it and let's figure out how I can support you with all the resources that I have. Thank you so much for coming on. And also uh, for our listeners, be sure to check out the PMO Impact Summit. You still have a couple of days to get out there and get some access to some amazing presentations and content from some of the top PMO leaders in the world who are participating. 
Yes, thank you very much. Well, Laura and Laura, thank you so much for being on the show today. Uh, I think everybody has learned quite a bit, some diverse uh, topics we covered uh, within healthcare and also PMOs, but I know educational for me and I hope for our listeners as well. This is a reminder to everyone that we are live the first and third Thursday of each month. Our next show will be back on a Thursday, October 4th. We have a great lineup of local and national guests coming up on future shows with some really big names in the health, um, sorry, in the project management industry. Don't want to give them away yet, but we'll tease them in the coming uh, weeks, of course. And also a reminder that all of these shows are recorded. So please be sure to subscribe to Project Management Office Hours podcast on Apple Podcast, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Spreaker, et cetera, whatever is your favorite podcast platform. Just a little plug for us. I think we are now the number one rated iHeartRadio project management podcast. So that's pretty Woo-hoo! cool. Yeah. And also thank you to our sponsors, the PMO Squad. As we mentioned before, they are 100% focused on project management. When you're looking for a great steak, right, you don't go to a buffet, you go to a steakhouse. If you're looking for great project management, don't go to a generic management consulting firm. Go to the PMO Squad where we're focused 100% on project management solutions. Also, just want to do a self-plug here. I'm about one month away from doing the Marine Corps Marathon. I'm fundraising for a charity called Team Red, White, and Blue, which is supporting our veterans. And if you'd like to make a donation, visit PMOJoe.com. We've fallen back to number two in the nation. We were number one in the nation for... You were uh, hoping. You yeah. knew they were coming, Joe. I, I, <laughs> I, I know. <laughs> so we've got to get back on top. We've got to get to number one. So if you, if you can... Uh, find two nickels to scratch together, go out there and make a donation. I would really appreciate that. So that's it for now. Thank you for listening. Office hours are closed. Until next time, I'm PMO Joe, and you've been listening to Project Management Office Hours.